I wonder, just as we were singing that song, have your way in me, I wonder how many of you actually mean that when you sing it, or do you just sing it just because you're at church? Isn't that a good question to start with? Seems a bit harsh, Pastor Neil, why would you even say that? Well, I want to start this morning just by saying that um, I've been agitated this week. I've been agitated in my spirit. Now, you might see agitate as a negative word, but actually it can mean a good thing. I found this, agitate means to shake up. So someone who is agitated has been shaken up by something. Maybe it's disturbing news, a careless driver who nearly caused a huge accident or just a very long, very bad day. Anyone had one of those recently? But agitated can also describe being activated or fired up for something. And that's what I want to just say to you this morning to have on your hearts, first thing and foremost, in, in, in your thoughts this morning, to be agitated and fired up for something. Because I believe the Spirit has got something to say to us this morning. He's had something to say to me this week. And I believe that that's something that he's put on my heart to share this morning. Um, uh, and, and we're going to look at some texts uh, from Scripture. We're going to look at three pieces of Scripture that have really jumped out. Um, as you know, we're looking at new things. And, and this morning, we are looking at a new heart. A new heart. I don't know if you've ever seen um, a, a heart transplant. I don't know if you've ever seen, but gone on YouTube or you've ever seen anything like that. Isn't it amazing that we can transplant hearts from one person to another? Someone who has maybe a diseased heart, someone who has a bad heart, um, a donor heart, out of tragedy comes something fantastic. They get given a new heart. And there's a video on YouTube of a man in America who lost his 20-year-old daughter. But he was able to, to cycle for, for charity. And at the end of this cycle, um, he met up with a young man who had his daughter's heart. His, in his chest, he'd given this new man, uh, this young man, new life. And uh, he, got, he got given a Father's Day present, and he also got given a stethoscope. So this man got to hear his daughter's heart beat once again. Isn't that fantastic? I think that's brilliant. He was given a new heart, but we're going to look at something different today, of what it means for God to give you a new heart. And it's three things I'm going to look at. And we understand as Christians that our transformation to be more like Jesus, which is our our main aim, right? Is that right? To be more like Jesus. It's not to be like me or Pastor Steve or anyone else. It's to be like Jesus. That's the whole point of it. It's an ongoing encounter with him every day as he transforms us. And these things, um, I I just think, uh, have been put on my heart. And the, the Spirit has agitated me for it in a good way. And I hope that you'll be agitated this morning. I hope I don't lose any friends. That's kind of like a Sounds like a bit of a warning, doesn't it? But um, it's that agitation that is passed on and given away and we can do things with it. And it's three points. And point one is a new heart. We're going to start right there in Ezekiel 36, 25 and 26. And God has come through the prophet um, Ezekiel and he's talking to the, 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 the uh, Israelites, the nation of Israel, who have once again turned away, turned their back on God. They're pretty good at that, aren't they? They're pretty good. And he comes to talk to them. And he says this to them, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from your uncleanliness and from all your idols, I will cleanse you. That's what he says. He's talking about cleaning them. A shower this morning. This is, this is where you find out who the stinky ones are. I'm just, just kidding. You get in the shower, you have a wash, you get out and you're clean. You smell nice. You, you're there. This is what God is saying. I'm going I'm to give you a shower and clean you. The thing is with God, he doesn't work from the outside in. He works from the inside out. He goes on to say in 26, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. 
and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I have in my pocket a stone. I've taken it from Elaine's desk. So sorry, Elaine, I'll give it a clean before I put it back. It says on it, I hear your prayers. Isn't that a good, good thing to have written on a stone? But stones, as you know, are pretty hard. They're pretty, pretty, ow, that hurt. Um, and he's saying that our hearts are like this. The, the nation of Israel, their hearts were like that. You can't penetrate it. You can't get into it. You can't shape it. If you take a hammer to it, it's just going to shatter. And he's saying to them, I want to give you a heart of flesh. You see, Ezekiel is in the middle of speaking out the heart of God. Again, he's coming to them and he's saying, this is the heart of God. He wants to use you, this great nation who have uh, defamed and insulted the Lord their God. You read, that's what he did. Oh, that's what they did, sorry. They had just gone and, and, and gone into the other nations and just forgotten about God. And the thing is with God, he, he, he wanted to clear his name. He wanted to come around and say, look, this is not me. I am the Lord, your God. I am great and powerful. I am this amazing person. I have shown you um, with your ancestors great ways of bringing you out. But you keep turning away from me. He wants to clear his name. And the thing is with God, see if that was me, and I'm pretty sure if that was you, if that was the same nation who kept turning their back on you, would you keep rescuing them or would you just go, right, that's it, I've had enough. I'm going. But the fact is, God says this. Earlier in, in the verse, he talks about doing more good than they could ever imagine. Even though they turn their backs on God again, he says and he promises, I will do more good for you than you could ever imagine. Isn't that a great promise? Isn't that a great thing that God just does better things for his people? Now, I'm sure all of us have been insulted in some way. Uh, someone has said something that's not right about us, not true, and you've wanted to have a quiet word with them just to correct them, and you've wanted to clear your name. But God doesn't work like that. God works in mysterious ways. Amen? You see, before Jesus, God brought these guys, these prophets, to speak to the nations. It was normally doom and gloom, but he brought them to speak to them. And Ezekiel is announcing that God, the Lord Almighty, is ready to clear his name. That's it. He's going to set the record straight. But he's going to use the very thing that slandered him in the first place, which is back to front in my thinking. But that is the beauty and, and grace of, that God gives. God will use you, no matter what your background, your story, or where you're from, to, to, to glorify him. Now that sounds, well, that's, that's, that's to glorify him, not me. But it's not about you. You see, God wants to use you for great things. But how many of us are just like the Israelites in this story? How many of us are just like the Israelites, that we have hard hearts, and we're nowhere near where we should be with God? I think that speaks... All of us, at some point in our walk, and that really is a big question to ask ourselves. I mean, pretty much, we keep doing the same thing. We keep putting priorities in place that are above and beyond God. The thing is with Israel, they weren't going around shouting about God, uh, bad things. They weren't going around saying stuff. You read it, it's like they weren't starting vicious rumors about God. They just turned their back. They weren't doing what they were supposed to do. They'd forgotten God again. They were hostile to him. They, the idols had crept in. The nations they were in, they had taken on their practices. He was not their priority anymore. Does that sound familiar this morning, church? Sometimes we get lost in the things. Had this revelation, I read this this week, and it really jumped out of me from where I was reading it from. It really spoke to me. 
And I think as a church, it really speaks into us as a church. It really speaks into us as individuals of what we're trying to achieve and do in the kingdom of God. It was this, do not expect to see the kingdom of God unless your heart is for him. Do not expect to see the kingdom of God unless your heart is for him. That's what agitated me this week. That's what agitated me. And I hope that you're sat there and it's agitating you. But if you want to see the kingdom of God, you're not going to see it unless your heart is all for him. And this is where God says, I will give you a new heart, a heart of flesh. This, this was this wide-eyed moment for me this week where you just sit there and go, wow, bit of truth there. As the youth call it, a truth bomb. You sit there and you go, wow. If we want to see the kingdom of God at work in our own lives, in Western, in your family, everywhere, we've got to allow access to our hearts of stone. You might think, well, I haven't got a heart of stone. But we might have fragments of stone in there. Well, I think we all, all got that. But God promises a heart of flesh to us. The thing is, like I said, these, these things are hard. These rocks are hard. They hurt. You can't get into them. You can't mold them. You, you hit them with a hammer, they shatter, like I said. But, but flesh, the hearts of flesh are teachable. They're sensitive to the spirit and to God's own heart. Hearts of flesh are given new power, new authority. They're given new motivation by the spirit because that is the point of it. And a heart of stone simply does not allow that. And we see God taking the initiative in the Old Testament. We see him coming down through the prophets, through Ezekiel. And he's wanting to restore the nation of Israel once again, using the very things that have turned their back on him. He promises to, to be there for them, that they will be tilled and sown. As in, he is going to really, really just not mess up their lives, but just cultivate them, rotivate them, as it were, plant them. God wants to prepare them afresh and spread them out even more. That's the whole point of God working in lives. And it seems no matter where we're at, God has this great agenda for us. No matter who you are, whether you believe in God, whether, whatever your situation, God has an agenda for you. Is that good? I think that's good. Thank you, Steve. And God wants to reiterate to you that you were made on purpose for a purpose. Made on purpose for a purpose. I wish I'd come up with that, but I didn't. So that was point one, a new heart. Ezekiel is speaking to the, 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 the Israelites, the nation of Israel, and he's saying to them, God wants to take out that, that heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And the thing is, when you look at Ezekiel, you cannot, you cannot just read one thing and go over point two, which is dry bones. I know in a few weeks' time, they'll be speaking on a new spirit. I'm not going to go into that, but... How can you not mention the valley of dry bones? How can you not, not just say to that? Steve last week was very clear that he said, you know, he, he brought a prophetic edge to his message, this, this prophetic word. I think we need to be more prophetic in our speakings and dealings in the kingdom of God. That's my thought. And I just think that when we read messages like this from Ezekiel or anywhere, they, they can have um, prophetic messages for us on it. And it says this in Ezekiel 37, 1 to 6. Ezekiel is there and it says, The hand of the Lord was upon me and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley and it was full of bones. And he led me around among them and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, only you know. Only you know. 
Then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you and cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you. And you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. What a great piece of scripture. What a great message for us. I don't know if you walk around and you see people, they're, they're a bit dry in their walk. Maybe you're a bit dry in your walk. But God is prophesying over us, just like Ezekiel there. He's willing to put sinews on you, flesh on you, a new heart on you. Hear the word of the Lord. That's what he says. To prophesy is simply a prediction of what's going to happen in the future. I know that after this, I'll probably go home and have some lunch. That doesn't make me a prophet, does it? It just means that's what we normally do. But if I was to say, in five years' time, this church is going to be 8,000 people and we're going to have all these things we're going to take over as Christians, that's a big shout, but why wouldn't we say that? Why wouldn't we prophetically say that? I mean, that's a bit of hard work, though, Steve, don't you reckon? But these things are not impossible with God. But we don't take these things into our hearts. Ezekiel, prophesy over these bones. Let's start taking that edge. You see, God was saying to Ezekiel, it's only he that holds the power of life and resurrection in his hands. But he used Ezekiel to prophesy over the bones to show what can be accomplished when God has a reign through a person. The dry bones, as it says, became an exceedingly great army. But it was God who gave them life and purpose. We know we live in times when there's so much doom and gloom around and not enough prophetic good words today. I wrote three things down. You know, when we say there's no hope for the nation, that it's all gone to pot, that nothing's happening, that we're just in the end times. Well, that's fine, but why don't we say and prophesy that actually we have an exceedingly great army who, if they're willing, can bring life and transformation to wherever they go? Amen? When we write off our young people and our schools because there's so much um, drugs or crime or all these things and everything's gone off and we write them off as just a lost cause, why don't we start prophesying that we have an army of young people on fire for God who will, not maybe, but will influence their sphere of influence where they are? Why can't we say that? Why can't we be bold enough to say that? When we say in our own lives it's too much, I can't carry on, I just can't carry on. What we should be saying is that I prophesy over lives that we carry authority within us that cannot be overcome in any situation. You see, God wants to work with the very thing, us, that has turned our back on him. God wants to do great things in and through us for his glory on the very things that turn their back on him day in, day out. We're not perfect, amen? amen. Who thinks they're perfect? Anyone? Jesus was. Jesus was. Thank you, Mickey. The thing is, with a new heart of flesh, it's moldable and pliable and is ready to help them. And it's this purging from within that is the game changer to us. Spurgeon says the Holy Spirit does not attempt to improve human nature into something better. The Holy Spirit doesn't just come in and tweak a few things, but it lays the axe at the root of the tree. I love that because the Holy Spirit doesn't come in and say, well, what can we do here? It's not an interior decorator that's going to come and just make it nice. He's coming to say, I'm going to demolish that. I'm going to build something brand new. That's what the Holy Spirit does, and we've got to allow that. Did you know, this is revelation to some people maybe, the Holy Spirit does not, is not here to pander to our needs. 
but simply to transform anew and give us a new potential, a new purpose in the kingdom of God. But somehow we forget that. Yes, we're only human. Yes, we're, we're finite. We're fa- we fail at things. But you know what? There's something better out there. Maybe we're like the, the Israelites that were profaning the word or, or the name of God by not doing what we're meant to be doing. And I know there's a lot of great Christians. Again, please, this isn't me coming across and having a go. Please don't t- take that. I want us to be agitated because there's something better coming. See, we're, you might think you're not profaning the word of God, but you've got to think about what you're doing in your daily life. I've had to do some soul searching. It's a must. Or else I actually run the risk of having a hard heart, that it gets harder and harder if I allow priorities to not be kingdom-led. If I simply just come into, into the office on a Monday morning and just do what I've got to do and go home and do what I've got to do and let other things take over, they become idols. They become priorities. That was point number two. Point number three is being born again being born again the kingdom of god is a spiritual kingdom in which god rules with complete authority but is that our lives right now is that is that me is that pastor neil now well no because that's never going to happen because we are just sometimes weak in our flesh we're weak in the things that we do but if we're trying to be more like jesus then surely we're going to allow the the kingdom of god to rule in our lives with complete authority I love it in John 3, 1, 3. Jesus has this encounter with a Pharisee, this guy who's high up in the Jewish law named Nicodemus. He says, now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night. He came to Jesus by night because he wanted to come under cover of dark. And he said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. Did he mean we, the Pharisees, we, a few of us, or we as in just him? But he says, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one else can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That goes back to that thing. You will not see the kingdom of God unless your heart is changed. You see, Jesus, we know, through his death and resurrection, ushered in this new covenant for us, this, this new way to seek the Father, this new way to be something new every day. You see, God, what it reminds us of is God is still willing to use the very things, uh, the, the people that profane his name still. Those people that turn their back on him, me. You might say, well, I don't profane his name. That, that's not me. I don't know what you're on about. That's not me. It's someone else. Well, if you gossip... You're profaning God's name. When you show anger or hatred to someone, or you do something in your car and someone cuts you up and you give them a nice wave, you're profaning his name. If you fail to forgive someone, you're profaning his name because you're not doing what he's asked you to do. See, Jesus announces to the Pharisee that he's got to be born again. He's got to have that new heart. And then and only then will he see the kingdom of God come. We actually read later that it was Nicodemus who helped bury Jesus. This, this guy who came at nighttime to stay undercover so no one else saw him. He was there burying Jesus. Kind of shows a bit more faith than the disciples who were scattered at that time. But the Pharisees, these guys were so hard-hearted, they were likened to whitewashed tombs because on the outside they were clean, but on the inside they were dead. They were dry bones. 
But you see why it's crucial. God has to work from the inside out, and he starts with that new heart. You see, the thing was, with the Jewish people back then, the, 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 the nations understood it like this. The heart was the center of everything that they believed in. It was the center of feelings, and it was the center of wisdom. It was the very thing that they thought everything flows from. So speaking about that would have actually struck them in the heart. They would have understood that. This is why speaking um, a heart of flesh would give volumes to those speaking, but maybe it's lost its power today because, well, we know. Maybe feelings come from the heart, but wisdom comes from the brain. But that doesn't lessen the, the power of the message. We as a church, we as an individual Christian, we as a, a, a bigger, larger denomination will not see the kingdom of God unless we are born again. Our hearts are turned into those of flesh, turned around, changed from within. Here's my prophetic doom and gloom. You ready for this? Maybe there are too many hard hearts here today. Maybe we need to turn back to God. Maybe that circumstances and situations have taken priority. Maybe we need to give them to God. Maybe we have simply fallen out of love with Jesus and just in love with something else. Maybe the spark of the Holy Spirit has gone out on us. But if we carry on like that in the kingdom of God, any revival, anything that we want to see the kingdom move will not happen. That's the beauty of God saying, I want to use you. See, God's heart, like in Ezekiel, is to use us as carriers for the kingdom. But maybe just like the Israelites, that great nation, we've lost our way. And here's the kicker that I wrote down for me. And you can take it as you want to take it. This is the kicker. It's on you. It's on me. It's not God we've lost our way or lost our love for Jesus or lost the Holy Spirit or letting situations come upon us. The thing is, if we are Bible-believing Christians and we claim to have faith and we claim to trust God, then we know that he is for us. He is not against us. He has done everything for us that we need to rise above it. And he wants to transform our hearts from hearts of stone to hearts of flesh so we can do great things. It might be a hard thing to get our head around, but that's what it's about. When we read the Bible, we know that God has something great for us. And let me say this, if you think that I am having a go, which I'm not. This is not a guilt trip. God doesn't do guilt or condemnation. God does not do those things because that is the glorious kingdom of God. What did he do when Israel turned away? What did he do? He promised better things. He said, I'm going to use you. What happened after Jesus' death and resurrection when he came back? He used the very people who legged it to start the greatest movement the world has ever seen. It's the reason why you're here today, because he used failures. I'm not saying you're but what I'm saying is you are kingdom carriers. He empowers us. God does not do guilt or condemnation. He does freedom and transformation. That's what God does. I thank God that he has done those things and he agitates me and he's, he's wanting more from me. And that is the grace and mercy of God at work even now. When any revival has taken place, it's people after God's heart that have turned up. And when any, any movement of the Holy Spirit has occurred in any place over time, it's because God's people have waited on him and pursued him. If we are to see the kingdom of God in our own lives, in our families, in our workplaces, across Western, in schools, we've got to be people of God who reset our priorities, allow God to give us that new heart. Every day for the lost, the broken, the hurt, and the lonely. This is my final observation. 
I'm just going to invite the band back up just, just to lead us in one last song in a moment. As we emerge out of lockdown with a vision and a purpose, and it's not a, a vision that Steve has just come up with, it's actually a vision that Jesus had all those years ago to make disciples and transform places and people. If we truly with all our heart want to see God move, then a few things need to happen. And I speak to myself in this. We're born again, aren't we? But we need to revisit and take on the spiritual nature of God and allow him to rule with complete authority. Everything in our lives. It's the same message week in, week out. Allow God's complete authority. Allow God to remove those fragments of stone that are in your heart today. No matter what's happening, no matter what's going on in your life, the offer still stands. And last but not least, pray. Come together and pray. Steve has already said, seven o'clock tonight, we will pray. We come together as a church to pray for people, for, for the nations, for the church, for things that are happening. Pray. I make no bones about this. You should be joining us to pray. That's not a guilt trip. That's, if we want to see God move, we've got to pray together. We've got to come together. And we've got to pray. Prayer is essential. Ah, but I pray at home. I pray with my family. That's brilliant. Excellent. Keep going. Do it more. But join us as a church tonight and see and pray and come together and seek God. Revivals have come out of people praying together. It's as simple as that. I prophetically say that we will see a great move of God when our attention and our focus and our priorities are locked on him. And I just want to take this moment just before we pray and, and just as uh, Naomi and the guys lead us in the final song. I'm just wondering for you at home and you in the building whether there's something that, that's agitated you this morning. I do hope that the Holy Spirit has agitated you this morning. If he hasn't, then, then that's fine. But I just wonder if there's something that, that you, you just want to lay before God. Not lay before me, not lay before Steve or anyone else, but lay before God today. And just say, agitate me, Lord, so that I can pursue you with everything that I have. Lord, I don't want a heart of stone. I don't want one that, that is hard to penetrate, that is ready to shatter. I want a, one that's moldable and teachable and that the spirit can have its way, that I will know your heart. So just as Naomi just leads us, um, I'm just wondering whether we can just bow our heads. We can, for no other reason than just, it's just a posture to say, Lord, help me. I'm doing it as well. I'm not above and beyond anyone here. But if you're at home, join with us to say, Lord, if there's any stone fragments in my heart today, I pray, Lord, that you will break them down and make them into flesh. Lord, I pray that if there's any priorities or any things that have taken you, that I would seek you to reignite that flame. Lord, you stand with your arms open you made a way when you got when you, you, you left the tomb empty, Lord. You made a way for me, for us to come back to you. You stand like the father of the prodigal son saying, I'm waiting for you. So I pray this morning, just as we're led in the final song, that you can stand, you can sit, that you would take this time just to really seek God. Let the band just sing over you, sing the words, just listen, but seek God in those things. And we say it week in, week out, church. We're not here to mess around. We're not here to play a game. This is serious. And I have to say to myself when I say that.
this is serious. If we want to see a move of God, do you know what? Our hearts better be in line with him.